0: Hey guys, how's it going? This is Christian with Liberty After Dark. This is part two in our interview with Patrick. We're going to talk about a whole lot of different topics, including education, technology, and just people's sensibilities in general. But I won't hold you any longer. I hope you guys enjoy the episode.
1: I So many conversations. the 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 theme of January 2021 for me is embrace the edge. Like take the edginess and just live it and, and own it because it will break through to people. It will get you access to people that you hadn't otherwise. It will. Some people will scoff. Some people will get angry. You literally ignore them or use them for fuel. I know I'm just repeating myself, but I heard another conversation that uh, how old are you? I am 24. Okay. Um, so I just turned 40, which is dumb. Uh, <laughs> just flip it around uh, i'm like i'm like a gen x i'm 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 a gen xer and my generation and now i'm going to sound really old because only old people talk about my generation and this is a surreal moment for me but uh um yeah see that, don't worry derailed I, my brain just marv just wallowing in that for a second
0: i i won't call you um, a boomer i promise no i'm not <laughs> damn it um
1: so my generation in terms of the media that we grew up with and i think dave smith talked about this recently and this is what brought it to mind My, my generation grew up with the media that was pushing the envelope to its extremes we had beavis and butthead which just literally just violated every social norm that you could think of every day when you saw the show like they pushed it and until they got banned and then they kept pushing and never even once pulled a punch Um, they pushed it so hard that even we were like, damn, is, is, is this too far? And then our generation was in that weird space where it was just like, no, shut the fuck up, tough up, words can't hurt you, deal with it, live your life, fuck these people. That was, that was the Gen X sort of feel. It was like. Tough up word. You, you don't get crybaby over words. You, is somebody bullying you, somebody punching you, somebody trying to shove you in a locker. Don't come crying for help. Fucking punch them back. You, you know, like defend yourself, handle your business like a man, exert your existence uh, or be ignored like all the other pansies. Like th- there was a big part of that in, in, in my generation. And so it was like, you know, things kind of got more and more edgy. And now something happened in the last 20 years where it is definitely going in the other direction. Now everyone is getting glass hearted and they're getting sensitive and they're getting offendable. And my, that is like the antithesis of what my generation, like we, we were hazed into existence. <laughs> it's like we fought for our existence uh, against the boomers and, and that generation of parents, the helicopter parenting stuff and uh now it's it it literally i you i think to my generation, and I'm collectivizing, I'm sure people disagree, but my generation is just like they looking out on this, and they're like, y'all are a bunch of weak, spineless pussies like and and use this is my point, getting back to a fucking point, sorry, my point is that um the edgy language not only feels good to my generation, but I think it might be the medicine that the current generation needs to toughen them up to break through this offendable nature that they have what do you think as a, as a younger person
0: so i i'm weird right so I, the year i was born was the year that south park came out right um, so that's to give you some perspective i have always had a bit of a uh, shall we say darker sense of humor right i was never one to really shy away from uh, jokes that I probably, as a good person, should have said, like, "Oh," or at least society believes I should have said, oh, you guys can't say that. I was like, yeah, it's a good one. You know? And (laughs) yeah, like, great example, like every joke about a Jewish person in South Park. Like, I am not a racist person. Um, I I have zero hate towards any color of a person's skin. I think it's completely ridiculous. But what you're doing right now is
1: something that January has told me I will never do again. And and this is not me preaching at you or admonishing you. This is just something that struck my mind. I have decided to stop doing that pansy shit that you're doing right now. And this is not me insulting you. This is just an epiphany that I'm having in real time right now on your show. Like, I am done with that shit. If you think I'm racist, continue thinking I'm racist away from me. Cause that's dumb. Stop it. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Please go ahead.
0: (laughs) I I mean, but okay. So I think that's kind of been something that's been trained into me almost is that, you know, I would say generally, like I enjoy, A good conversation maybe even a heated one at times where Mm -hmm. two people really get fiery but what i'm not a fan of is pointless conflict so again you know this whole like specificity and language thing i think i use a lot of language to cover my butt uh i use a lot of things like listen i'm not super educated on this topic so forgive me if i get it wrong i preface a lot of things and you know, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from there, but, uh, you know, it is kind of a, a CYA thing, you know, cover your ass. Like, I just would rather dodge a lot of that uh, to begin with. But no, you're right. I have no reason to say I'm not a racist because I've never said anything racist on the show to anybody on Facebook at all, ever. The only context they would have for me being racist is when I would say some of the jokes about Jewish people in South Park were funny. And that's okay. You know, like that would be my, that's me being a racist, right? That's the worst thing I've ever said, apparently to probably some postmodernist leftist identitarian. And yeah, the people, the people that would call you a racist after saying that are not going to care about your
1: disclaimers. That's, that's another part of, that's another thing I'm learning in January. The the people that are going to give a shit about your disclaimers are not the people that are going to be freaking out at you.
0: That's true. That's very true actually. Cause those people they 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 would never rationalize that far into it to begin Can with. Can I cuss on your show? Yes. You I should've asked that about
1: a hundred curse words before.
0: I've done it multiple times. You're fine. I I, I put <laughs> the, the not for kids tag on it and everything's fine. So uh but yeah, it so yeah, as far as like offensive media is concerned, I think I've kind of Especially a couple of years ago was like almost edge lordy about it, where it's like uh like I wanted people to be offensive because like there was none of it for a while besides like South Park and maybe a couple of comedians who would get deplatformed two months later. And so it's like, I wanted offensive people and and one of the moments that kind of like drove me up a wall was did you ever watch Rick and Morty by any chance?
1: Every single episode I love that show.
0: Great. So you remember in the latest season when they're on the alien facehugger planet and, you know, they're blowing up the whole city or whatever, and they come up to the buildings and then they fly around yeah. it. The yeah. Internet blew up. I don't know if you remember. Everybody was pissed off. They referenced 9-11 like, nope, not going to touch that one. Me <laughs> and my dad and my brother, I think my brother was there, were howling. Like we were like, wow, that is that is good. Like they went there. And I think it's, it's just two different it's it's just two different, completely different mindsets. And I we've touched on postmodernism a lot today. You know, we've said it, the word and thrown it out there, but I really do think it's been this this for lack of a better word, invasion of postmodernist thought into otherwise rational, sensible, human, just being being a cognizant human being. Like it doesn't Take a rocket scientist or, or an ethicist or a behavioral psychologist to determine whether someone laughing at a joke on South Park or Rick and Morty is racist or is promoting terrorism or, you know, is, is laughing on the graves of the dead people or something. I think it's it's just somewhere along the line, someone messed up big time and wasn't told to sit down and shut up. <laughs>
1: Or to tough up or to suck it up or to deal with it or to find a way to live your life. The word maybe postmodernism is tangential or parallel, but there's another thing that makes it worse. And I, I call it weaponizing empathy, um, which is when you when you people rightfully feel bad for and feel sorry for and have empathy for people that are in bad positions that are that are hurt that are wounded that have been discriminated against blah 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 rightfully that's a human thing that's a healthy thing we want people to have empathy when you take somebody's disadvantaged status and you weaponize that by sort of throwing it in people's faces to extract their empathy to get things from them powered by their own empathy it's like you take a person's empathy And you beat them about the face and neck with their own empathy. Like you, you, you weaponize, you take their empathy and you twist it back onto the person to get what you want out of them. That is one of the most vile evil things that I can imagine a person can do. It is super manipulative and it is all the left has done for decades. (laughs) It's like, and they know there's power there. There, There's a, there's a generator built into all of humans that, just like if you feel empathy for somebody, you somehow subjugate yourself to people that are declaring themselves a victim. And and to to prove that you care, to prove that you're not a robot, you've got to do what the people say you got to do to help the victims. It's uh, it's they they it's. It's it's vile. It's manipulation. It's it, they extract power from people by weaponizing their empathy. Um, it's the same shit. And I think they discovered it naturally. I think they discovered it when the major civil rights organizations won and didn't want to go away after they won. So, like, they achieved equality uh, between the sexes for women, but we don't want to disband these women's rights organizations because there's lots of money and power and political leverage in them. So now we have to keep finding victims uh, to justify our existence. And so they realized that they could start sort of making up or massaging or taking tiny victims and exaggerating them into huge victims to continue extracting power from people's empathy because everybody wants to be just, everybody wants to not, you know, to, to stand against discrimination. And so they, they learned how to keep themselves alive by jacking into people's empathy in a, in, in a nefarious sort of way. And then the SJWs and the Marxists and the postmodernists saw that. And it just fits right in. Like they are all about the disadvantaged classes, collectives of people and victim classes. And uh, it's a, it's a marriage made in heaven.
0: Well, you know, and feel free to interject. If you think I'm going off the rails here, this is by no means like an original thought. I've, I've heard people say this before, but I'm kind of formulating it in my head as I go. But I, I do believe that social media has had a huge impact on the way stuff like this works because if you are a gen Xer and you're growing up in your neighborhood and you know, you and the boys all watch Beavis and Butthead and, and one of them comes up and was like, Hey man, like that joke, that wasn't nice to X, Y, Z people. You guys would all be like, okay, sorry (laughs) you feel that way, but yeah, yeah, Yeah. at at best, to put it mildly. That's what
1: would have happened. Yeah.
0: At best. Right. And, uh, but now, You get on social media and you were like, oh man, that episode of Rick and Morty was hilarious. And then boom, 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 boom. It's a person. Oh my God. You just, you must hate all of the mothers who lost their children in nine 11, blah, blah, blah. Like think of, think of the people, the firefighters who, blah blah. you know, and it's just this endless wave that just, people are just like, holy crap. Okay. I did. I just thought the episode was funny. I'm sorry. You know? So there are a lot of people I personally believe who don't hold these like super you know they, they don't they don't buy into this up, up appeal to pity argument you know just to call it by the name of the logical fallacy and they they more just conform for the sake of the path of least resistance you know i mean it's easier if you just yeah. don't joke about that stuff anymore and then all of a sudden it leaves the collective consciousness, the 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 lexicon of acceptable things that you can say. And then boof, automatically, you know, then it becomes not acceptable because kowtowing to the mob has made it so. Uh whether or not you explicitly said, like, yeah, you guys are right, like that joke's bad or not, just not making them anymore is is in a sense just is doing the same thing.
1: hmm Yeah. It's like the the, everyone 20 years old and younger needs to just hear, like, I I don't know. They just just need to grow up. Not 20 years, like 30, 40 years and younger. Just like grow up, guys. Be an adult. Words aren't going to hurt. They only hurt your fee fees if you allow them to. You get to, what is it? Offense is taken, not given. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It's just it. I think maybe the like I I've participated in this, too, for the past 10 years. You know, I've been careful. I watch. I've watched my words. I've walked carefully so as not to offend people needlessly. I'm at a place now in January 2021 where I think the antidote to the world is a little bit Beavis Butthead style. You know, (laughs) it's time to, like, bring comedy back. They have murdered comedy. They have slayed it in its sleep coup de gras comedy is dead uh and and we need to bring it back, and we need to bring uh, uh like offensive content back um i don't know i I don't know what what else do we do do we we continue playing the game until it's offensive to say anything even tiny you know like slightly edgy? I don't want to live in that world
0: no thanks yeah. Like, and and especially you know not to get too topical, but especially with the the modern political landscape, it seems like once something becomes deemed socially uh, unacceptable, it then must be legally penalizable. You know, um, if you make a racist yeah. joke, you should be you know fined or whatever. You know, name X Y Z crazy legislative idea or or something true if you misgender someone that's like a an affront to their rights to be properly gendered or you dead name them or something like that um yeah i'm done i i will no longer my empathy is no longer weaponizable
1: if you are a victim and you're feeling bad for yourself because you heard something i said i literally will probably just ignore you like it's just not worth it
0: and it's probably the healthiest way to approach it from like just, from just a personal level, like without, you know, cause then it just pushing, pushing it away is, is probably, like I said, the healthiest thing, because then you don't have to deal with modifying your own behaviors, potentially, you know, if, if you enjoy that particular side of comedy, you know, what are you going to do? Either stop watching it, not share it or whatever. Um, that's happened a couple of times where I've posted something, you know, back when I used Facebook and it was like, Oh man, I I really don't like this. Like this is making fun of these people and they're really important and I was like, well, I mean, I'll post another one tomorrow. So, if you don't want to see this, like I don't care. Like, unfriend me or yeah. something. Like this is who I am. So, <laughs> it's it, I think you know, that's just a social media way of basically saying the same thing. Um but I I do think there is there is a you know, problem that I agree very much with. Like,
1: it's important to have, a, you know, self-awareness so that you're not one of the assholes that actually is all those stereotypes. Like, yeah. you know, I've I've done a lot of introspection over the past 10 years and I am I am perfectly confident that I am not a racist. <laughs> and so, you know, I, and I'm not a sexist. Um, I try and adhere to reality. And uh, and if you think I am, uh, I don't I I no longer give a single shit. I'm well, just done with that. I'm done with
0: that whole thing. See, if you haven't hired at least seventy-five percent women in all of your companies, you're actually not adequately, you know, uh making up for your benefits as a male. So I'm gonna have to check <laughs> you on your privilege. So
1: maybe women need to get better at
0: engineering. Oh bam. Went straight into it. I like that. <laughs> Did, didn't didn't that was, fully... <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. I'm sure. <laughs> oh man. And even your size matters mug. If we're gonna talk about people being triggered, your 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 mug that says size matters. There are there is someone out there where if you posted a picture of that? Listen, okay, yep. that's that's very offensive to people with genital dwarfism. And I don't appreciate you saying that because you <laughs> wait, that's the name? That's the name? I don't know. I just came up with it on the spot. I have
1: no idea. Oh, that's probably the name. I'm googling it right now.
0: Um. Yeah. It, and then those people, you know. Okay. Glad. Thanks for sharing your condition with the entire world. <laughs> Goodbye.
1: That's the name. <laughs> that is. That's the name. <laughs> oh well, look at that. Just Rarediseases.info. <laughs> anyway.
0: The more you know, kids. Shooting star comes over your head. <laughs> uh, I. I mean, I. I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse at this point. But I completely agree with the the sentiment and the words and the entire thing of your of your line here that the bringing back good comedy would be great. Um, the fact that to today, you know, remember the Netflix special Dave Chappelle did that pissed everybody and their mother off. That's tame. Yep. That is tame comedy. That is not offensive is. comedy. Not even close. And it still triggered half the planet. So uh, yep. Maybe that's, you know, maybe it is a baby steps thing. We got to kind of like reintroduce people to the fact that like words cannot physically harm them and are not violent. Uh but it it is an uphill battle.
1: And look, I my atoms are only stuck together for a few more years in this universe. I don't I have any interest in holding people's hands back into comedy. Uh I say we <laughs> just start now. I let's advocate the end goal and, you know, take any compromise along the way. Um it, just be done with it. These people need to grow up. They're acting like infants, and they're you know thirty years old. It's dumb.
0: So I this is an interesting thing. That so I, so call yourself. So call yourself a war slave.
1: Oh, Come, yeah. Do that because it will create conversations that would not have been had
0: otherwise. Exert your existence. Do it. Yeah. I so we're coming to the towards the end of our of our scheduled two hour block, but I wanted to kind of. Uh, pivot
1: it, it's your time limit not mine for the record
0: oh well hey i you know just going off what the calendar said but uh, to kind of pivot this just a little bit into uh a- another direction um and and forgive me i need to reclaim the idea that i had there um it's on the tip of my tongue um oh god i hate when i do this i hate it when that yeah. happens
1: it happens it happens to everybody and it's really i hate it yeah uh, totally
0: so I'm sorry, uh Alex uh, Sanders said don't Google that. I'm pretty sure that was to the genital dwarfism comment there. Oh, I, I did um, Google it. Yeah. yeah it's, right, it's right here. Look. Uh oh, Whoa. there it is. Oh man. Oh, that's terrible. Oh. Guard.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm hit, I'm hiding my own screen. There we go.
0: Wow. This <laughs> is an actual thing. I I just yeah, it's, up an, up it's, it's an actual thing. Yep. So okay. So I'm I'm back where we are now.
1: Um, yeah, I was trying to buy you time. See how that works.
0: Yeah, exactly. I wanted to pivot. I'm, this. I'm a host.
1: I know the I know the pain.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to pivot all of this back, kind of where we were a second ago, but also where we are now, in the conversation of getting out there, getting the message out there, right? Um, with the issue of deplatforming. Right. I I think and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this. But from my perspective, I try to play the game as much as reasonably possible because I I do care that, you know, Liberty After Dark exists on on these platforms and people can see it. But at the same time, I've I've set up like a line where I like I'll never compromise on my principles to save the channel or something. Um, And I just kind of want to get what your perspective is on. Is very relevant topic, so I'm, I'm interested to hear where you're coming from the perspective wise
1: yeah, they're about to delete Anarchist, so that that whole thing about you know being awe inspired by being handed fifty five thousand subscribers is definitely applicable to this discussion. It's definitely going to get deleted um, likely soon they've, they've there've been live humans going through the back catalog you know, raising community violations like I'm getting I get emails like at least once a week. And that's after I went back and deleted 85 Anarchast episodes from YouTube just that I thought might cause problems uh for that purpose. Um did what they, are my thoughts on it? Oh, do you
0: mind real quick if I ask like are there any specifics you can give as far as like is it usage of 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 illicit substances or or mentioning of them or something like that?
1: In the freedom space, it is almost always um bad medical information will is is just like an instant you're gone um and i can feel them on that honestly because like if i owned a platform i would not want medical advice that could get people hurt like i i will not interview guests that are giving medical advice on either side of most any issue unless it's in a debate scenario because I never want somebody to take advice that I helped them acquire and then go hurt themselves with it. Uh, so I, I can I can understand YouTube's position on that, but that's that's a major one. You're you're gone really quick. So like if you're out there telling people that enemas can cure cancer or whatever, like you're gone. Um, not that that was that was not an example <laughs> from Anarcast. Uh, there were other ones like it, certainly. Um, but yeah, those would have been gone. Uh, so I got rid of all those, um, conspiracy stuff, uh, nine Sandy hook, um, anything around those areas that call into question the sacred cows of the victims in those situations, you're gone instantly. Um, so I
2: got rid of all those, um,
1: anything that talks too directly about violence. Um, Will be probably. Stri- I don't think it's an instant gone, but I think you're you're in the strike violation territory on YouTube. Uh, that's all I can think of for right now. I think there's a couple more like instant you're gone's kind of thing, but th- those are the big ones: medical misinformation, uh, conspiracy stuff, now political stuff. Like they're 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 raising the bar. Like I called this back when Alex Jones got banned. I literally, you can go back and watch the Disenthrall video. I said this is the first and it's them realizing that they can do it, it's going to start happening more often and more frequently over time. And that's exactly what we've seen. Once they realize that they have the power to unperson people, they're definitely going to keep raising the bar, raising what 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 their standard is for when they'll do it to you. Um,
2: the way I think about it
1: is that it's private property. Look, I, I have. I'm a. I'm a technologist. I built a social network site. For, um, I used to be a pretty a pretty good sword fighter. I won, um, I won ba- basically best sword fighter in the southern United States several years running. Back when I was uh, in my uh, late teens, early twenties. And this was before Facebook, this was before MySpace, this was before any social networks. I built a website that allowed people to create accounts and have profiles and just have discussions with each other and all this stuff. So I know, since I was young, what it's like to run a platform that has a bunch of strangers on it that are using your resources, oftentimes for free, in a way that violates your conscience. Um. So I can really see their side of it. I completely disagree with it, but I can see their side of it. And so if back then I had made a rule for my site that said I didn't want medical misinformation, let's say, as an example, on my community, that's my property. That is my private property. Those are my servers. I toiled for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, like years, to create it, to write that code. Uh, it belonged to me. I make the rules. That's our, that's our entire, that is the basis for pretty much everything we talk about on your channel and my channels. (laughs) Uh, so that's how I think about YouTube. Like they are allowing me to use their property to reach their massive largest in the world audience under certain conditions. I can choose to follow those conditions. I can choose to break those conditions. If they remove me for breaking them, Turnabouts fair play. I mean that I mean, that is that is to be expected. They are justified. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to cry and beg to come back. Uh, but you know what? I'm also going to do is I'm going to create the, the content that I want to create that breaks their rules. I'm going to do it on Odyssey. I'm going to do it on Library. I'm going to do it on BitChute. I'm going to do it elsewhere. And I'll probably put a teaser to send people to it on YouTube so that everybody gets their property rights respected, which is what I want. I don't want to force my content onto YouTube. They don't want it. They've told me that. I'm not going to do it. Same for, same for all the platforms.
0: Well, okay. I'm going to bait you a little bit here just because I've heard you talk about this very recently, but for people over here listening today, but, but Patrick, they get tax money from the government because, you know, they, they get subsidies. And so we own them, right? Because it's my money.
1: Were you, were you watching the Twitter discussion lately? Are you talking about, you are with yes. with Consella, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm. I might have him back on to continue through that discussion, really, because I think it's a good one. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've I've had him on like once, twice already to talk about it, but it's just like we it can't. It the topic won't die. Um. So if we take it back to um, sort of my conception of rights, that they're mutual, reciprocal understandings. Uh, If I'm going to respect someone's rights, I'm going to require and demand that they do the same for me. And if a if a person is um, taking property that has been stolen from me and making it their own and spending it as if it were their own. Why on earth would I give a damn about their property? Like, why would I continue reciprocating with somebody that's going to run away with my stolen money that, you know, the government handed them? Uh, and that's the case I've been making to Kinsella, and he's made some counter-arguments that I think do not hold up. That's why I'm probably going to invite him onto the show. Um, and I, I don't want to get too too deep into it with him not here to defend himself, but of course, the gist of it yeah. would be... The, the gist of it would be, look, uh, he's basically making the everyone's tainted argument. You know, everyone has some kind of uh, money from the government, therefore everyone is going to be a criminal, and everyone will not reciprocate rights with everyone else. And we have a war against, uh, from uh, from all against all or something like that is what he said. Um, And he's got a good point. There's a lot of messiness. Like when when thievery is involved, when coercion is involved in any situation, the situation becomes more messy and hard to uh, determine the reality. Like that's just what coercion does. When you violate people's consent, shit gets messy. And oftentimes it's so messy that proper restitution full restitution can never be made it's just impossible because it's gotten too messy and that is certainly the situation we're in with the government and so to kinsella's point he's definitely right about that like there is no answer that anyone could provide that would suddenly bring into focus the massive interwoven spiderweb clusterfuck of theft and redistribution of stolen funds to people that then spend it that then Spend it, that then spend it, that invest it, that get dividends, that invest those dividends. Like it is impossible. It would be impossible to provide a lens to correct that distortion. The argument that I will be making uh, is that, yes, it's, I agree, it's impossible to do that for the collective. Like I can't give you an answer that will undo theft. I can't end, I can't undo theft. But you know what I can do is I can trace maybe a specific instance of theft. Like, I don't need to solve the collective concept of theft. But if I, Patrick, can show my uh, tax extortion form and show the specific dollar amount that was taken from me, and then I can also show the specific dollar amount that, let's say, Amazon took in stolen property from the government, well... Now it's a very specific case of victim, uh, explicit theft amount, explicit uh, shared culpability in the stolen assets from the theft crime being given to a specific person that becomes specifically in that instance, a co-conspirator. Will that be possible for most theft? Absolutely not. But it doesn't mean that we couldn't on an individual basis make that case and also his one of his, the things that he said again i'm I'm not going to do this af- anymore after this because he's not here to defend himself but he um he says that everybody it's it, everybody is tainted um myself and my uh closest friends uh, are very careful about our professional um relationships about our job relationships about um the things that we do to make sure that we don't interact in a way where we benefit from stolen money. So am I currently tainted? Absolutely not. Not in any way that I can think of. And maybe he's got one that I haven't thought of and he can tell me, but I've been very careful uh, to, to not take stolen resources, to not take jobs where I make money paid for by government sources, things like that. Uh, So anyway, enough beating him when he's not here.
0: No. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and to be fair, I, I put the voice on, but I'm not ma- there are lots of people who make similar arguments and I'm not making fun of, of him or anybody specifically more just for the bit. But uh, there I did the thing where I prefaced what I was saying to make sure I didn't hurt anyone's feelings again. Um, in, hold on I'll, to walk back what
1: I said earlier in intellectual discussions. I think that's valuable. But in racism and shit.
0: Yeah. Tell him to grow up. That's fair. Yeah. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Just to make sure we're all operating on good faith. That's fair. Yeah, yeah yeah um i i so i kind of wanted to probe your brain a little bit on this and i've well one thing i wanted to say is that i've heard a lot of people make the argument that we're all oh yeah i use the p word um i wanted to i've heard a couple arguments that say like oh well we're all culpable for government theft because you use roads don't you because that's made with stolen money and uh, i think that's pretty easy to dismiss but i i've you know maybe that could be one case where someone could try to make the argument that we're all benefiting from governments stealing of other people but one thing i wanted to get your perspective on that's actually become pretty recent in my social group as a college student is that a lot of people are getting subsidized loans yada yada blah blah blah. and you know some of these people have careers and what what is your perspective on people who take I think it's a bit pragmatic, but usually I say that word in a super negative way. But I think in this case, it does have a little bit of utility. And that's where you know they are net negative. All of us who have jobs are net negative to the government, right? Uh, Unless you get a bunch of money in from subsidies or whatever. And uh, some of these people will say like, well, look, I can get a, a loan subsidized for this amount and they'll still owe me. 40 50 60 70 100 plus thousand dollars in back taxes like why am i supposed to feel bad for getting a little bit of financial compensation from their program like and you know you'll see the counter argument not to go ahead and answer my own question but you'll see the counter argument all the time That like oh well that's my money but i do agree that we're at the point now where this spider web like you just have to look at it as like a pot and and your your dollar amount is in there somewhere but like you can't trace Patrick's dollar to this person's subsidy for all you know it could be their tax dollars that are directly paying for their subsidy right uh so th- yeah. i'll i'm done prefacing i'll let you go ahead and talk now
1: yeah money money is fungible right so i couldn't say that you know uh amazon got a new 600 uh billion with a b dollar contract that it will extend over several years to um a- amazon serves like 60% of all government servers is on Amazon's cloud service. They get fat paychecks from the feds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't, you know, certainly say that, you know, every penny that is extorted for me in taxes is handed to Amazon. You know, certainly money's fungible. So do you look at it as a percentage? Do you look at it as a specific dollar amount divided by the number of dollars the government pays out? None of that is worth spending my brain power on. Um, what it comes down to for me is uh, personal relationships and rights reciprocation. I am going to give a shit less about Amazon uh, if they ever get robbed or trespassed or stolen from or uh, whatever. I'm going to give a shit less about Amazon's rights because they give uh, less of a shit about mine. That's, that's the sum total for me. So like, uh, you know, obviously, I'm not going to go and try and rob Amazon to get my tax money back. <laughs> that That would be uh, counterproductive in the extreme. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I mean, like I, I just try and recognize like if you're one of the people that takes large paychecks from the government, then you're one of the people that uh, deserve less respect from me in terms of rights. um when it when it comes down to the specifics, you really have to do a like, I get specific in my life because I care. Uh it's really important to me to make sure that um I never become a uh a drain like a, a net tax beneficiary. Like it, it that is important to me. So I look at my books, I look at my outcome, my out my my output, I look at my income, I look how much I'm extorted. Um it's far more than I, I, I'm paid. And I'm sure it's that way for most people. Also, you have to think of things like inflation. Something like 30% of all US dollars in existence was created in the past twelve months or something like that, which is kind of mind blowing to think about. Um, I don't think anybody's coming to, to I don't think anybody's caught up to that fact yet that all of your money just lost, it was devalued 30% in a year. Um So it's it's a case by case specific thing, and it's about what you uh, the best moral case. Like, what do you want to hold yourself to the highest moral standard? Well, that's on you to do because there's so many details and specifics that you got to figure out. Um, I don't want to talk too much about personal financial details, but um, this came this this came into focus for me over the past several years with the 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 insanely expensive cancer treatments that my daughter went through. Uh, We're talking seven figures of of money was spent to uh, make sure that my daughter's still with me today. Uh, So there are ways to go about it where your insurance company um, covers more, but the government and maybe the state of Texas or the feds or whatever have subsidies for kids that have cancer. There are ways to go about it where you literally go into multi-million dollar life ruining debt. And um, so I spent a great deal of mental anguish and effort figuring out specifically for me how I could um, not compromise on my principles even a little bit um, by, you know, becoming a net sort of extortion beneficiary, but also uh, get as much of my stolen resources back as I possibly could. And so I'm just saying, like, I'm the type of person that really, really, really cares about being principled and moral. And so I put in that effort um, and I expect the people that I'm close friends with to hold to that same standard. And that that severely limits the number of people that I can be close friends with. And I am fine with that. Like the, the friends that I have found are are pure gold. and. um and by, and by keeping other people farther away from me, my life has be, just become completely devoid of drama. For the first time in my life, like I just don't have shitheads uh, causing problems in my life anymore. Um, and I, I, it's great. I would recommend ten
0: out of ten. Yeah, there's, I mean, I think that's that's the difference between having a set of principles and living by a set of principles. This is something I, I kind of have preached to my social group probably too much, but that was a big thing for me was going from being like, okay, these are cool things. I agree with all of them and then living it and then actually being that person who's like, you know, and and it does change the way you interact with things. I completely agree because, you know, especially newer situations that'll come up, like say, you know, maybe I'm given the opportunity to get like a federal scholarship or something. I have to ask like, Is this, is this, am I aggressing by taking this money on on somebody? Am I, am I breaking my, my ethical code for if I do this? And that's something that, you know, if I, if I wasn't a, a voluntarist, I, yes, please give me that money. I will gladly take it, you know? And it is, it is confining yourself to a set of, of rules, which I think, you know, a lot of normies will see as almost antithetical to the concept of anarchy to begin with. But with freedom, there are restrictions. Uh, as ironic as it sounds,
1: it's no government, not no rules, is the often quoted phrase, right? Um, you, you know, w- once you get your degree and you get a job in whatever field you're studying in, you're going to get taxed into oblivion. Uh, yeah, so, exactly.
0: Uh, There'll definitely be a net negative. Uh, no certainly, doubt about that. Yeah. certainly. And,
1: uh, and you know I don't feel like I'm like going soft on principles just to say like you know if you take if you take the stolen property up front and then they take it back okay well everybody's equal
0: yeah exactly <laughs> that's um, but
1: but again like I if it were me I would do the numbers like very meticulously and specifically su- such that I never want to I never want to be that person is talking about where, you know, everybody's tainted. Well, I'm fucking not tainted. And even though I came out financially a lot worse in these past three years than I would have otherwise, I am not tainted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course. I, I would agree. I, I think it's very important to keep that in mind. Um, I, I don't, let me just, you know, let's, uh, if the mythical boogaloo were to ever kick off and we were in anarchotopia tomorrow or Ancapistan or whatever you want to call it i don't want to be in the position where someone comes up and says hey um what's up dude why do require you, why are you uh, playing for the wrong team here you know <laughs> i want to be the guy who comes comes in ethically clean that's a good way of putting it you know uh
1: it's a, it's especially important for I hate this term. What would you call figureheads in a movement? I hate the term, but I don't know what other word to use for it. Like people with with channels that people follow. Um, it's it's especially important to hold yourself to a higher standard because um, your your flaws and failings will definitely be used not against you as much as the entire movement and all the labels that you use. Just this is the reason why I'm against, you know, any kind of uh, sort of violent resistance for the most part right now is because if if you're a voluntarist or an anarcho-capitalist and you go out and you um, blap blap some cop, (laughs) uh, then they're going to sift through your entire life, your entire background, your entire social media, every label you've ever used for yourself, every group you've ever been a member of. And they're going to paint all of those labels and groups. Uh, in the news, as you know, violent extremist terrorists, uh, and so, especially like if you're trying to help people and some kind of leadership is not the right word, mentors probably. If you're trying to help people from a mentoring perspective, you got to be real careful. You got to make sure that that you're actually living the principles to a higher degree than maybe the normies would even need to. I don't know. I, I believe these are YouTube, things that haunt me at night.
0: YouTube would use <laughs> the term influencer. Uh, to describe that that position (laughs) yeah uh i don't want to i don't want to be any
1: of that like if yeah i just that's something i've always early on i had a conversation with larkin about that actually he was over at my house this was one of the first times that we had ever had time to just sit down and chill and i was like dude how do you deal with this the notoriety that you have like because it was it was uh that's what it was. He came to Dallas for candles in the dark that we were hosting, <clears throat> and um, it was like everyone that showed up would just like fawn over him. You know, like they were in awe and they treated him so reverently. Larkin is the most fucking normal dude that you have ever met. Like he is, ju- he is just a normal sort of like country, mind his own business, quiet, soft-spoken kind of dude. Um, and to see him just deal with that attention. Um, I don't get it anywhere near the degree he does, but I I talked to him about it because I wanted to figure out how he handled it so I'd know how to handle it. And um, he he didn't have a lot to say. Like it's just like you just kind of kind of ignore it. Just kind of <laughs> kind of like you gotta appreciate that people have appreciated your words, and just kind of leave it at that. Like if you take it any farther than that, if you like let it come anywhere near your ego then you're fucked
0: yeah you know i could see that uh
1: yeah so it's just like and and i've always had a problem taking compliments and um some of my friends have tried to talk to me about that uh about why that's a problem or why they think it's a problem and how i should work to get rid of it but i kind of appreciate that flaw in myself because when people compliment me, like somebody said some in discord recently, they're like, Patrick saved my life. Like I have never cringed that hard in my entire (laughs) life. And I didn't say anything in discord. He's probably in the chat actually, but like, (laughs) I can't take that. I don't want it. And I don't want to lose the part of myself that can't take that. Like, because it's not about us. That's the whole freaking point. Like, you don't need a leader. You need to lead yourself. And that's the that's the unique thing about the stuff that we tell people. We're not like saying follow me to victory, follow me to a better life. We're saying don't follow me. Follow yourself. Make your own decisions. Be free. Don't let anybody else make decisions for you either. Uh so yeah. It's not it's not about us. And I you know, I appreciate like So I'm rambling again, but like, um, when I met, uh, Napolitano, it was briefly, he probably won't remember it, but you know, I basically in a very short message just needed for myself to tell him the impact he had on me. And then I instantly saw that coming at me from other people and I realized, God damn, that's awkward. Like, (laughs) like he doesn't, you know, he, these people aren't going to know you from anybody. And you're like telling them these profound ways in which they've changed your life. And uh, how do you take that? And, and I realize, look, it's, it's, it's also not about me even in that moment. It's about them needing to express the thing that they wanted to express. It helps them to tell you what you've done for them. So I just kind of like take it and I appreciate it and I treasure it. And then I, I remember it, you know, it has nothing to do with me, I guess.
0: Uh, I just want to say two things real quick, and then I want to hop right back into where we left off. But uh, one, if you're in float, I understand that they've been having issues with the stream, and I'm sorry. Uh, The video and audio podcast will be posted later, uh, so you guys can catch anything that you missed. Uh, Two, if you guys have any questions, now would be the good time to start sending them, because we're going to start heading in the direction of wrapping up for sure. So uh, post them in the in the chat box if you guys want to have any burning questions, uh, up to you guys. But uh, I mean, I, I jumping right back into where we left off. I mean, I did the same thing to you on this show, this very show. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna lie. Like you were a part of my journey t- towards where I am today as a volunteerist. And you yeah, know, like- and and my butthole
1: contracted about three point <laughs> seven millimeters when you said that. Like yeah. I, I've just gotten like if I, the only. I sorry to interrupt. I just it's so. What do you do with that? Like this is this is what I'm setting out to do to get people to come to the place that you just came to. So it would be dumb of me to like not want people to tell me that. But it's also like awkward because I really I'm bad at compliments and I don't. This is this is whiny bullshit. So I'm gonna stop. I'm Gen X, right?
0: off it's, <laughs> it's just not in your nature and but I do think, like you said, it is a useful tool to keep yourself humbled, which you know not that it would ever happen, but if I were ever in the position where people were fawning over me like that, I hope that I would have the same integrity to not let it get to me um probably will never happen, so hopefully won't have to even cross that bridge but um i you know I do th- I, i understand where you're coming from though like it's a character trait that's you you may even yourself find annoying or other people find annoying but it can be useful and like you said also i i used to say a lot when i was in my phase of endless hypotheticals on the show where all we would do was talk about the nap and hypotheticals is it? i'm i'm building a toolkit that you can apply to any situation to where you can take the formula where is the aggression who is causing it you know And you can take this formula and apply it to whatever hypothetical situation you could possibly want and then go from there. You know, I'm not here to lead the, you know, quest to Ancapistan or anything, just to educate. That's it. Just share what I've learned.
1: Uh, Float. The reason why float has a more difficult time for some people watching, just for the people in the comments talking about it. Uh, Float serves as an RTMP repeater. So from a nerdy perspective, what that means is whatever bits you send them is exactly what they send to people watching. And so quite what you're probably doing is sending a higher bitrate stream to YouTube. YouTube then transcodes that to lower bit rates for people with mobile devices on shitty internet connections. Float does not transcode it. They send out whatever you send them. So if you're sending uh, a stream that somebody can't download on their mobile device they will not be able to watch on float that's Uh, the deal so you're getting when you watch on float you're getting the full resolution for better or for worse youtube you're getting um, a a garbage version (laughs) (laughs) but you can watch it anywhere
0: i think we have some people on facebook watching as well actually ah yes we do i see them in the the chat there um yeah. Yeah, Sherry said that's over my head. Good to see you Sherry and Adam and all of you guys that are here. Uh yeah. So honestly this was a really good talk. Seriously. Um I I really enjoyed Sherry, this. ask a question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sherry. You are on the spot. Sherry asks the question right now.
0: Okay, we'll wait for Sherry to ask a question. Do as you're told, um, Sherry. <laughs> oh man.
1: She's, she got deleted from Facebook recently.
0: I, I know she's in a, a, a chat with me on a, on another platform and we uh, welcomed her in with open arms onto our alternative chat group <laughs> for the, Oh, nice. The downtrodden. Um, it's yeah. Social media has been quite the journey recently. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I had, Aaron and Kingsley we've been we had been at that point trying to schedule something for forever but I suck at planning apparently because every time I tried to make something it would fall through from family or whatever but uh and as much as I love and advocate their platform it does still have a lot of growing to do Uh, I'm hopeful though for the future and I hope you know they have a lot of cool things cooking a lot of stuff on the plate but if they can do it um that it'll be a really great platform and I am excited for that.
1: Okay. Yeah. And it isn't, it is important to maintain presences on the large platforms. Like this was a kind of a, a question you asked earlier that I didn't really touch on. It's important. Like I, all, all said and done, I, I regret my decision to be an admin for that uh, Boogaloo meme group because I lost Facebook access, which has made it difficult to reach the massive amount of people on Facebook. That was a bad move. From a strategic point of view for a content creator trying to reach people that aren't anarchists, that was a bad decision. Now, from a normie perspective, I probably would have left Facebook a long time ago because fuck them and their censorship. But uh, Same for YouTube. Like, I'm going to be careful on YouTube. It's their property, their rules. And um, my, my entire goal with my platform is to reach normies. So I got to be where the normies are to do that.
0: Sherry does have a question for you. um, And she says, look, what a good obedient citizen I am. Uh, What is the main misconception people have about you?
1: That I have all the answers. Like people approach me a little bit with that reverence that they approach that I saw them approach Larkin with. um, Where they don't want to question or challenge me because. Um, They don't want to appear dumb against my all-knowing wisdom of everything moral philosophy. Uh, That is not the case. Um, In fact, that is like a thing that gives me nightmares. Like one of the, and I've talked about this a couple times briefly, but one of the biggest things that gives me nightmares is that what's happened to Larkin He exists in a bubble of people that agree with him and that think he is an oracle. Um, And so they don't challenge him and they don't tell him when they think he's wrong. And what that does to a person um, is they stop getting negative feedback on their ideas and concepts. And the negative feedback is what improves your ideas and concepts and positions. When you are wrong on something, you need people to tell you when you're wrong so that you can have that debate and that intellectual clash. And so it terrifies me when people treat me like I'm, I can't be wrong um, or that they just assume I've already figured everything out. So they don't even they don't risk asking and looking dumb. Like if I ever have a bubble around myself like that, that is my nightmare. Like I want to shatter that. I am, and so that's why I tell people often, like, "Look, guys, I'm nobody special. Uh, I'm I'm really good as a IT entrepreneur. Um, uh, I have put a lot of time and effort in studying into moral philosophy and thinking about this stuff. That does not mean I'm always right. I am not special. If you have if you have had an idea uh, that you think breaks something that I've said or that proves me wrong." I want nothing more than for you to not let that go. I want you to approach me. I want you to tell me. I want you to respectfully, not like an asshole talking to Twitter (laughs) right now. But um, (laughs) like, I want you to contact me. Tell me, give me your challenges. I promise I will treat you politely with the respect that you treat me when we have these discussions. Uh, Because if I have an echo chamber around me, if I'm in a bubble, then I could be totally wrong, dude. I could be way off into la la land, just thinking I've got everything figured out, and I think this whole anarcho capitalism thing and voluntarism and the non aggression principle and the my definitions of uh, what rights are and who gets them. I could just be off in la la land, thinking I'm right because no one will tell me I'm wrong or show me how I'm wrong. That is my nightmare. I never ever want that. So that the thing that people, at least from my perspective inside behind my eyeball eyeballs, uh, that people. Uh, have a misconception like they just approach me with way too much reverence i'm a normal guy like treat me like a normal dude please always ever Uh, i make i make raunchy jokes uh i say fuck and i like a good meme and i can be wrong sometimes
0: i you know uh uh, i i think how, how do i put this without sounding like a total fop um not that it's intimidating but like so from someone from my perspective who who would put you on the list you know again like I'm not oh patrick smith or anything but like who would put you on the list of people who was a part of my foundational upbringing in in anarchism right like it's it would be hard for me to come at you like oh well patrick i think you're wrong about this because we agree on so much uh and and you know like whether or not that's you influencing me through your videos or whatever. And, uh, but you know, like one of the things that I thought about when I was going to have you on the show is like, Hey, like, is there anything like really deep down that I want to be like, Patrick, I think you're wrong about, about this thing about rights. And it's like, well, not really. (laughs) Cause I, and, and so I, I just, I think the reason that I'm saying this is because I don't think always, like, people are just, like, you know, uh, I feel like I'm stepping over myself now because I don't want to, like, freak you out or anything, but I feel like there are times where it's just, like, I have to understand the (laughs) fact, you know... I'll I'll go away.
1: Now you can say whatever you want to say, and I'll be uh, embarrassed uh, in, in peace.
0: I have to understand the fact that if someone was to come to me and I was to be objective and they were like, hey, where should I go to talk to a person who knows the most out of ethical philosophy or moral philosophy and and yada yada about voluntarism you or this other guy patrick smith and i'd be like you should probably go to patrick like you know sure i i know my way around the nap i can tell you some rothbard you know i i've i've read spooner i can you know we can go through these things but just as far as like experience and and time putting in the work i can understand why people are maybe a little like Ooh, I don't know. Like I'm just a dude, you know, I don't, it, but just like you're just a dude, you know, I think there is a, a little bit of a paradigm there, but Sherry made a comment, uh, that I think is very important. And I'll just read the first line But she says, I think that's what happened to Molyneux. And I don't think you're ever, you ever have to worry about getting to that point, or at least I won't let you, cause I will never let you turn into a Molyneux without saying something.
1: and and you being that person in my life that will not allow that to happen makes me really appreciate your presence in my life just so you know like it's not lip service when i tell people i want you to call me out when you think i'm wrong please please. because because i will lose my mind if, if i don't have people doing that Something that I thought, and I, if you if you need to end the show, you know just say so, but i've got i mean we we no. I, I've got several more things we can talk about if you want
0: go for it yeah
1: what 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 about the audience? do you guys want are you are you done Have we worn you out yet, or do you want to keep going i, I give, a, could, give us a uh, yeah, I go get, ahead, sorry
0: no, I was just saying I could keep doing this i I'm in the suit, you know for as long as the people will listen <laughs> <laughs> you got all
1: dressed up um okay, so. One thing I was curious about, um, and let me, let me set this up with a a little bit of backstory. So, um, my whole life I've been the type of person and I said, and I talked about this with Hotep Jesus, I've been the type of person that when somebody tells me how I have to achieve something or how I have to go about doing something, I just try doing it my own way anyway. Like, I don't care. That's the process that you've defined. That sounds slow and dumb and inefficient. I'm just going to try and do it this way. and. Honestly, most of the, the major successes I've had in my life have been because of that thing about me where I just do it. Uh, I, I subvert the entire official appropriate process for achieving something and I just end run it. That's just how I do. Uh, and I would suggest most people try that and kind of go their own way and not follow the path that everybody says to follow. Uh, but one of the ways in which I did that is with my uh, career in technology. So I did not even finish my sophomore year of high school. I got my first coding job when I was 16 or something like that. Uh, so I, I just quit public school. Now, there were other factors involved um, at the time that helped make that decision. I'm not saying that, like, I just had a vision to be a coder and quit high school. Now, there were other things going on, too, but um, I, I was a damaged shithead at the time. But uh, I, I left school early and got my first coding job early, which was not the correct path to become a programmer by far. You're supposed to go through all of high school, all of college, four years of college, then go back and get two more years of your master's to get a master's in, in computer science. Um, that's six years of life that people spend doing what they're told to achieve a goal that they say they want to do. They spend six years following a path. I completely eliminated that path because I was so passionate and I love technology and I love coding so much that I self-taught myself how to do it. And what I mean by that is like when I talk about unschooling, about how people that are actually passionate about a topic will do what they need to do to learn it and they don't necessarily need a formal schooling process to get there. That was exactly what I did. I would go to public school every day, high school every day, and then I would come home and every night I would stay up to four in the morning learning how to code because I loved it. That was where my passion was. I unschooled myself in the middle of the night and slept through public school. And uh, so I ended up with a very different education of coding, a very different flavor of understanding of coding and technology because it was driven by passion to learn what was important to know to achieve my goal of writing software. Now, that is a very different goal from the one that you get in a college. When you go to school, when you go to college to get your master's in computer science, you're going to take history classes and science classes and art. And and you're going to take methods and fun, like methods of, of programming and And you're going to take classes that teach you how to write sorting algorithms until you're dead. You're going to, you know, like you're going to go the book learning route. I put that in quotes, the book learning uh, route towards learning how to code. You're going to have a lot of knowledge that you will never use in your coding life. Just in coding, not to mention the history classes and all the other garbage. (laughs) Like even even in your technology classes, they're going to teach you a lot of shit that you will never use. Let's say. 50% 50% of the shit they teach you you will never use. 20% additional to that is stuff that when you need it one day, you can Google it and learn it in 10 seconds. And so you're really left with like 30% of what they teach you are you actually going to use on a day-to-day basis as a coder. Um, so the education I gave myself was everything I needed to code and very little that I didn't need to code. And... um. And it was driven by passion, and so when I got my jobs um I had a more and i don't want to do i don't want to insult college students with this, but I had a more sort of like working practical uh you need to let your dog out it's yeah cool if you do i am we've been I'm, talking a long time
0: yeah, I'm very sorry if we could take a quick two minute break he's 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 very upset at me right now
1: <laughs> do your thing, okay, I can keep talking while you're doing it if you want
0: um I, I kinda or do you want to wait? I mean, I kind of want to hear okay, this honestly. Okay. I, I'm, right, like I said, right. I'm really enjoying. Please, everybody, give me two minutes. I'm going to put on a little, little waiting screen, and then I will be right back. He's just got to go pee. So.
1: Dogs are the best of us. Don't yes. apologize.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Come on,
2: bud. Woo.
0: Let's go, buddy.
1: Can they still hear me?
0: Uh, I have my headphones off, but I could, I can barely hear you. Yeah.
1: Can they still can they still hear me?
0: Oh, yes, they can. Let me.
2: hear. There we go. Sweet. All right. I'll be right back. (laughs) Keep talking about coding. Screw Christian. (laughs) That's funny.
1: Anyway, so I'm setting all this backstory up because I'm going to ask him. Um, what he thinks the difference is in a formal book learning uh, philosophy track and um, a self-taught one, which is what I had. So I'm going to try and relate this conversation with technology as an analogy to philosophy. Because um, I've, I've talked to formal uh, collegiate learned philosophers. And their takes on philosophy are always so weird to me. In the same way, when I talk to uh, college learned programmers, it's like the things that they have been taught to focus on seem to... I'm burning the content. He he would want to hear this. So I may have to say it again. (laughs) But it's just that the things that... Well, I don't want to burn the content. I'll save it. He asked me to save it. So I'm going to save it. That would be rude. This is his show. I'm
2: here. Dogs are not cats
1: and therefore not the best. That is inverted. That is inverted. Absolutely messed up.
2: Absolutely. Okay. And we're back. All right.
1: I told the whole story. <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So Daniel Earl says false. False to Sherry or false to me?
0: I think he's saying false to okay. you, which I heard that part, which I strongly disagree with their cat comment. Well, it,
1: yeah. Sherry says dogs are not cats and therefore not the best. Like I, I haven't heard anything more wrong.
0: This is insane. Patently wrong. I'm filing that one. I can next prove it mathematically yeah i'm filing that one i can prove dogs yes yeah
1: that's commie shit Uh all right (laughs) thanks for pushing back though when you disagree sherry i appreciate it anyway where is i okay so uh my my flavor of coding um and my understanding of the industry is uh different and certainly better in some ways than um the college taught people um it, to the point where in my companies, when I'm hiring programmers, I will prefer self-taught programmers to collegiate ones uh, because it takes a lot of passion to teach, some, to teach something complicated to yourself. And that passion typically leads to uh, better quality programmers, in my opinion. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I think there's a parallel association to philosophy that I'm curious about. Um, you are taking philosophy classes. What's your major?
0: Computer science.
1: Oh, this is a little on the nose then. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe we can talk about that. We can, we can, let's come back around and talk about that. Hence why but, I'm so uh, interested
0: in, in your opinion. Okay.
1: So you're taking philosophy like a minor or are you just taking philosophy classes because you're interested or what?
0: A minor. It's for a minor. I, I have to have one as a, as a STEM major, but uh, I was probably going to take some of these anyways to fill out elective slots. Cause what else am I going to do? Take, pottery basket weaving. Isn't
1: you know? that silly? Isn't yeah. that silly? Oh, of you, course. You, you want a computer science degree? Why are you, are wasting your money. Anyway, I'm going to go on our college rant now.
0: No, 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 no. no. Okay, so I want to I address the, the elephant in the room here. I am entirely aware of the game. A hundred percent. It is a game. And something I don't think I give my stepdad enough credit for is that he, he taught me when I was really young about the idea of the game. And he's like, look, I get it. XYZ thing is messed up, but there is nothing you can realistically do about it besides this or, or usually there's some alternative option that's way riskier. So I am 24. I have essentially no career history. I have Mm -hmm. zero desirable skills outside of fixing death machines. And so I had to ask myself a serious question and that was, do I just go for it? Or do I take the safe proven path to get the job and then from there I can build out to be wherever I want? Sure. That's a long con game, right? But um the 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 thing for me is that the risk of me spending, even if it's just six months to a year, of of not going to school, not having that degree and not having the opportunities to come with it was worth was scary enough i'll just say what it was it was scary enough to me that i was okay with playing the college game you know i mean like i i did the military i can do college just fine i came out of that all right and so uh yeah that's the way that's the way i saw it um because there are a so lot when of i when i but
1: the 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 analogy i wanted to get your input on is um to see if you had any insights on was that when I talk to uh, college taught programmers, the conversation is is sometimes like weird where the things that they are focused on, the things that they've been taught to focus on when designing systems or analyzing systems is different uh it is like things that are I see as unimportant tangential um or just just weird and confusing um and so I've noticed that there's a similar a similarity to when I'm talking to college taught philosophers um, as opposed to uh, self taught philosophers because e- everything in my life has been self taught. I have not done formal education for literally anything. I learn the things I'm passionate about and that I need to learn, and I'm good and I've gotten good at that. Um, so, do you have any explanation or insight into? Uh, why people can go through an entire, like a doctorate level philosophy program and um, not really have any functional understanding of the type of ethics that we discuss.
0: Sorry, I have to... uh, Yeah, that's... Really, it's because when people go into a philosophy, like, this is especially true for majors. With minors, they kind of encourage you to like... Oh, be your own little philosophy flower and bloom into whatever you want to be. But in a philosophy major course, you spend a lot of time on history. You spend a lot of time on analyzing old dead dogmas that nobody believes in anymore. And you, you, there's, there's a, there's a notion between the difference between knowledge and skill. And this is going to sound super boisterous because I love this stuff and I'm going to Maybe make myself sound a little inflamed, but I believe understanding ethics and philosophy is more of a skill than it is a knowledge base. Of course, you have to know what the first principles are, but to be able to understand why those make sense, to be able to put the links on the chain together from point A to point B, problem ethical solution requires a, a problem solving set of skills that a lot of people don't have. So you will get a philosophy major. That has studied hundreds of hours, read so much of ancient Roman texts and can quote everything from the apology or or tell you every other line from whatever Marxist Lenin they decided to put in that that semester's reading material or whatever. But it doesn't mean that they understand how that person even got to where they got. It just means they know, Okay, well, this person believed this because this. How did they come to that? That is the skill that they are almost all missing. And I think the same thing is for programming. They're taught, okay, use the sorting algorithm for these situations. Not, okay, what is the most effective way for me to fix this problem? I am very sorry. My dog is, I don't know. What don't apologize. <laughs> yeah. I, can, um, I, can, I can barely hear it. Okay, cool, cool. It shouldn't be coming up on the stream, but I just wanted to make sure. Um, So yeah, the, I, I think those are very interlinked because you're teaching people a knowledge base Without developing a skill set. Anybody can learn the syntax for programming. Learning how to take that knowledge. And use C++ to do more than say hello world. To solve problems. Requires solving problems. Learning how to understand and create. And maybe even improve upon. Or or test rigorously. Ethics. Requires you to understand the skill set of being uh, of, of philosophizing i know that's not even a real word but you get what i'm saying yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and maybe the they share the same flaws in uh, a functional understanding of the the subject matter so like when what i talk about uh m- maybe one of the wastes that goes into teaching programmers at college is teaching you know spending a lot of time on computer history or spending a lot of time learning esoteric algorithms that are are either not used anymore or are hand handled automatically by the frameworks that all modern coding is done in um, like superfluous knowledge, superfluous history. Um, probably it, it sounds like you're saying the same, the same issue happens with philosophy majors. Yeah. Also when you graduate as a philosophy major, um, your target your end goal is generally just to become a professor of philosophy right what other jobs really are there for that career path so in a way them teaching you all that esoteric nonsense is actually what need they need to do because your end goal is going to be teaching that esoteric nonsense to other people
0: yeah so there are career fields in other industries where they want Ethicists, a good example is like any real like big labor industry usually has an at least one person who's an ethicist on their board to be like, "You shouldn't treat your workers badly because they're people with rights and or like computer ethics is a huge field, but usually those people are programmers who also like ethics. It's not usually a philosopher that comes in and is like, "I am the <laughs> computer ethics person for this this company now um." So, yeah, I think definitely the majority of people who get philosophy degrees want to do one of two things publish a crap ton of books that 20,000 people will buy, and maybe a school will pick up one of them for some reading and do that for the rest of their life and publish books on the same thing from beginning to end, or become a teacher. That is most of the people I know who are philosophy majors. One of them was very transparent. He's like, I just want to develop my philosophy and write a bunch of books and i was like cool mm. i mean if that's really what you want to do i mean sure you know it's one way to get it out there and that
1: but that, that predisposes them to um, marxist style ideologies because that's how they're going to get paid once once they graduate and get a job oh yeah so to same same problem that uh, sort of the conflict of interest or not conflict of interest it's sort of like the thing that perverts psychology is that uh, to become a psychologist you have to be sort of an order follower path following uh, ho- hoop jump through her. And so, once you graduate and become a practicing psychologist, and you find a patient that is an anti hoop jumper through her that you know resists conventions and goes their own way, and uh, you're gonna suddenly cr- make up a disease called um, uh, oppositional defiance disorder, which just <laughs> means somebody not like them, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff
0: there there's definitely yeah and there's definitely a lot of it is a self-perpetuating cycle in a way there certainly especially with the whole college to professor route you know like that that pipeline is you know it's well defined and uh very intentional in its construction uh i i do f- like i had a really hard time my first semester with programming doing c++ because on the first couple assignments of the year, uh, cause I'd known a little bit, I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about programming, not in the slightest. I would, if someone gave me a basic problem, it would still probably take me a while to solve it. But e- even going into this class, I knew a lot more than what was going to be the whole semester. And so one of the first couple of problems that he gave us was very simple things like make a calculator to calculate sales tax for all of these purposes, purchases or whatever. And so, I did it and I turned it in the next day, whatever took me, you know, maybe 30 minutes at most. And I got a zero. And he said, well, that wasn't the way you were supposed to do it. And I was like, but it calculates the sales tax and outputs it in the exact format that you wanted it. And he's like, yeah, but Mm. uh, we, we haven't talked about, uh, I I don't remember. Oh, I used the classes. That's what it was. He's like, yeah, but we haven't talked about classes yet. And you made classes for sales types. And I was like,
1: so, you did it in a more advanced way than he wanted you to. So, he, it's not like you did it in some dumbass, backwards, squirrely way that was, you know, technically correct, but really shitty programming. You did it in a better way than he wanted. Oh, uh.
0: yeah. See, I hate that. I it's, hate that. I, I do as well. I hate it with a burning passion, but this is the route that I have going for me. And I don't, you know, unless I today committed to like, I am going to spend the majority of my free time that I would spend either reading or dicking around or doing something else to learning programming with the fullest intent of going to leave school and get a job. I don't know if that would be a viable option for me, you know, at this point, it's almost like I've boxed myself in now. Like I'm so far into the process. I might as well just finish. And because, uh, you know, I'm a junior at this point, like I'm over the hill. You know, it would almost take me just as much time to get competent in C at a level that would be useful to anybody. I feel
1: like, are you trying to become a programmer? Yeah. You're a junior in college and you would have trouble writing a program? That's what you said a minute ago.
0: Of course. Well, I mean, it depends on what the problem is, but not like, you know, a calculator that counts sales tax, but you know, like if someone, like you
1: should, you should basically be almost a master at this point.
0: Like you should know what you're doing. Bachelor's bachelor's of computer science are not masters, not, not even close. They, they understand fundamentals. Um, They can, they can describe to you how computer logic works pretty well, but that doesn't mean that they, I'm telling you, like there's an experience factor to this that you can't replicate in a school. You can't. Like you can assign as many homework assignments as you want that say, make this random thing that some customer wants. And this is your project, right? But there will always be something different that you haven't seen before. And like you said, sometimes it's as easy as a Google search. Sometimes you're missing a core piece of knowledge that you didn't even know you needed, which so Mm. I had to do a project with computer vision doing eye tracking and like some people did just fine. Me, I obviously was missing a huge something somewhere because that project kicked my butt i spent so much time on google just blasting through as much stuff on computer vision as possible and it was like it was just you know it was one of those things where it was like how, how many times is that going to happen to me like is that going to happen to me on the job where it's like someone's like hey man i need you to fix this or, or do this right now and it's like well i have no fucking clue how to do that you know yes
1: yeah. yes yes college should be teaching you how to handle that not less even about coding college should be teaching you that's the core skill of programmers yes is to walking into an insanely complicated situation they know nothing about and figuring it out like that should be what college teaches you
0: yeah it's really good at teaching you syntax Mm. You will never miss a yeah, semicolon. That, that
1: was my read on it. That was my read on it. Like it, fr- from the outside, interviewing self-taught versus college programmers. That was my read on it. That's what I thought was happening in college. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's true. It's true. And and it, if you
1: need a mentor, let me know. <laughs> I'm happy to help you. I who, actually code, though. I don't like I don't give a shit about the you know, boring stuff.
0: Who, who doesn't need a mentor for something? Right. Seriously, eh? though um what was i gonna say i was gonna oh
1: crap um what la- what languages are you learning sorry we're getting really nerdy folks i'll i'll, I'll move on i'm just um, curious what what languages are you focused on
0: python c plus um, plus i've done a little bit of ruby on rails html i've learned on my own and css but that's, that's some people don't even count it as a language it's so simple oh, they but, are yeah, yeah exactly yeah um and uh a little bit of assembly. I had to take, I'm starting a class on assembly. I don't really like it, but you know, that's just me being blessed with all these high level languages that I've been working in. Um, Mostly just that though, actually Um, a little bit of Java script, sorry, JavaScript specifically. Um, But other than that, that's it. It's uh, yeah. C++, Python, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, which don't count. So At least there's something. Yeah. Well, I say that.
1: Sherry getting thirsty in the comments again. She does this to me all the time. I'm glad to see she does it to you too.
0: I don't need a mentor. I need a man. There it is. (laughs) Oh, geez. Uh, Did you take the class where you write a program that takes fractions of pennies that are rounded off and deposits into a bank account? (laughs) No, I think we skipped that. Was a movie. Oh, that's the super. That was a movie. Okay. Yeah what would be a good language slash book for me to learn coding dude i mean the learn one and then you can learn any of them like i don't i don't care what you pick you can the basic logic is the same behind almost every language it's just learning different syntax i thought programming was the hardest thing ever and then i learned python and then all, all these people were like oh c plus plus is so hard you'll it's going to take you forever to learn it and it it was like this. It's like okay, well, I use this, and it has to end in semicolons, and I write my if statements like this, and it's all fine, you know.
1: I hate that. I hate that you started on Python. I think that is a garbage language, and that's heresy to say. I know, but it's just I, the 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 tab indentions for code blocks. Anyway, we're getting way too f- focused. No one's gonna watch this.
0: It, it we we can we can talk shop
1: on coding later.
0: Okay, yeah, <laughs> that works. <laughs> someone uh, out there might benefit from it so i'm not opposed but okay yeah. okay well it's your show i won't tell you what to do with your show unless to the you guy to asking go for else. yeah
1: the guy asking for resources on coding if you started with vb a long time ago then uh pay, then install visual studio and start coding in vb.net today and uh it will get you back into coding it'll get you the it'll get you up to date on the .net framework which then you can use uh, to cross over into c-sharp and once you learn c-sharp you will also tangentially also learn uh, c plus plus so that's that that's the route i would suggest that you go
0: take his, advice. Take his advice don't don't take my advice take his advice
1: <laughs> career advice hour let's yeah. do it ask your questions <laughs> only for technology
0: oh man <laughs> yeah to be honest with you though um my selection of career was also extremely, um, as much as I, you know, I used to hate this word, but I just have kind of accepted the fact that a little bit of it isn't everybody it was very pragmatic because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up and I was about to leave my position as a war slave. They were about to grant me my freedom. And uh, I I know I knew that I enjoyed computers. I had learned, like I said, a tiny itty bitty little bit because I was interested enough to learn some HTML and CSS. But, uh, so I knew that was something that I could at least succeed in if I applied myself. But what I, I didn't, I I didn't ever have like the burning passion for typing on the keyboard. I liked solving problems. So Sometimes I'll get frustrated with code itself because like I can see the solution, but I can't make the the clickety clacks on the keyboards do exactly what I want it to do. Right. I'm sure we've all run into this, but I enjoy having it's it's empowering. I think that's a way to look at it. Like these computers are fantastically powerful machines if you know how to use them and to be able to say, oh, well, why doesn't this exist? Oh, OK, I'll make it is something is a skill set that is extremely powerful, liberating almost one could say. And to me, that was, that was too good of a deal to not at least give it a shot. And so far I've been enjoying it and it's been great. So
1: you you nailed it. We're coming up onto a point where I think everyone is going to have to become an entry-level programmer at some point, even just to really fully utilize their own devices after a certain, to a certain extent, like, Think about it. Cryptocurrency uh, is a world-changing, gov- world government-eliminating technology that you could code. Uh, it's really pretty simple technology. It's not a lot of lines of code, even. Um, signal messenger, encrypted communications that can't be censored. God, that's powerful stuff. You can make that. Um, you can join the project right now and contribute to it if you want it. Um, yeah, it, it's super powerful stuff. I think you nailed it. Yeah, when I started doing it, I just wanted to have control over my own computer. Like this was back, uh, back in my day, uh, you know, when you still had to dial into uh, another computer's modem to use a BBS to talk to other people, and in JPEGs downloaded, you know, it took like five minutes to get a picture. (laughs) Very hard to FAP to that, let me tell you. Um, that's the beauty of being an anarchist. There's no expectation that, um, you know, I'm going to always be wholesome and whatever. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, back back then it was more about just having control over my own computer. And um, what I found was exactly what you found Short, shortly after the entire world was ruled by coders. If you can code, then you can change the world uh, in the face of governments. Like you can change, you have the power to Make a government irrelevant in an area. Like Uber is a good example. They wrote an app that invalidated um, a long, lengthy list of taxi laws and taxes and regulations. Uh, they they eliminated an entire industry effectively. Um, and there's even like a I don't know if it's still around, but there's even like a decentralized uh, Uber alternative that really? can't be regulated. Um, I don't know if it's still around, but there was. Um, yeah, man, it's just powerful, world-changing stuff. Yeah, I, I. And then we also need people to write the calculators, so that's good too.
0: Of course, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and yeah, really, like that's the the question that I had to ask myself is like, one day I ha- the I have the aspiration of one day I will own my own business. I will create products, be a productive member of society. I will be my own boss, or at least very close to my own boss and uh i that that's that is my goal. Your corvette was your goal, having my own business is my goal. I really don't care if that business is making websites for people. I do a lot of graphics design stuff already. Maybe that's my niche, whatever. Or if it's solving these bigger problems working on cryptography for, you know, the latest encryption algorithms or whatever for for messaging. That is my that is my corvette, you know. And I, I don't let me to suggest. Let me let me but.
1: suggest a refined version of that. The, uh, like don't just say own my own business. Set a profitability target, um, because you could literally like register a business tonight and be a business owner. Like that's pretty ambiguous. Hold yourself to a standard of uh, revenue. Like pick pick a revenue number and then uh, achieve that. And set a set a a year as a goal by twenty thirty. I will revenue X
0: measurable attainable goals. Right? That's the 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 way you're quantifying it, I guess. Or or and then
1: and then and then bust your ever living ass until it happens.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the real part of it. Anybody can set a goal. It's getting there. That's the 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 hard part, especially when there's all these nice toys that I can buy instead. You know. I saw a really cool takedown AR-15 pistol. Man, why would I invest that time and money into something that could be useful (laughs) for me when I could get a nice, cool takedown AR-15 pistol? Come on, you know? (laughs) All right, guys, that's going to do it for part two of our interview with Patrick Smith. I hope you guys will come back and listen to part three or part one if you haven't already for some reason. Uh, Yeah, there's going to be one more part. Sorry, just file size limitations. I got to cut it down. It'll be a little bit shorter than the last two have, But uh, like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to check us out on your social media platforms and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider. We're pretty much everywhere. So if you're listening to this now, go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed it. we got plenty of other content, over 40 episodes now in the backlog that you can go take a look at. But yeah, that's all I've got for you guys. So I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and take it easy.